Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Fancy File Podcast. I am your host, Greg the Scott, and we are back. Yes. 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 We're back, baby. We have been away for a very long time, and what, we said goodbye to you? We didn't even say goodbye. We didn't say goodbye. We said we might have said goodbye to Mick. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I think it comes down to us being terrible house guests. Mick, you, you were doing what? Crawfishing. For five months? In the middle of a forest with no water. So you weren't crawfishing? Uh, unsuccessfully. <laughs> Was this a new type of adventure for you? I didn't catch anything. Oh. But I did find an old car bumper. Then I'm thinking of the same magical forest that you were in. Yeah. There was no magical forest. This is, it's not magical. It's a forest. It's just a forest. <laughs> it's a forest. But yes, yeah, so today I have a few co-hosts with me. I, as you've already heard, we have Mick that's straight across from me. How are you today, Mick? I'm excited to be back. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. You look excited. Thank you. Look, you. you look fresh. You look rejoiced, rejoicing. Is that going well? It's going well. Good. I work less. Very good. So I'm, I think that's just the key to life. Work less. Yeah. Crawfishing in the forest. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Mm. And across from Mick and next to me, <laughs> I have Melanie as a co-host. Yes, indeed. I'm here. I'm happy to be back, too. The the lady voice yes. in the group. The only lady voice. The only voice. lady voice. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm, I'm happy you're back. I'm happy to be back. Are you happy back. to be back? Yes. What did you miss the most about non-podcasts? Wait, repeat the question. <laughs> what did you miss the most? About not About recording? not podcasting. Um, talking about the Bible in an informal way. Mm. And um, just like, but at the same time, it is very similar to our Bible studies. So, but it's just recorded. Should we record our Bible studies and place that on? Maybe we should. Maybe we should. But then <laughs> we would, yeah, so I guess we would be it's getting just free a content. little wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I found a trick because we haven't had time to hang out as often as uh, we usually do. My trick when I get when I miss Greg is on YouTube. There's these really cool videos that Universal Studio put out of the Grinch working at a call center, and the Grinch is best friends with a guy named Greg, and he keeps saying, "Greg's the man." And when I miss Greg, I just watch those videos. I could call him. Are you the Grinch though? I think we know that to be true. In that video? Yeah, yeah You definitely. are looking a little green today. Thank you, thank you. You uh, do you do kind of have a bit of a Christmas vibe going on. Maybe not entirely Christmas. Yeah. It's like a weird Christmas rugby vibe. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, team Por- uh, team uh, yeah, North Portugal. Pole. You North Pole? Portugal. Portugal. Team Portugal. Portugal. Okay, so do they have rugby in Portugal? Those are the colors of the flag. Really? Yeah, those are the colors of the flag. But it's not in that order, but those are the accurate colors. I didn't know maroon was in, that, was in the Portugal flag. Um, well, is it eh, close enough? Yeah, it's like a bourgeois. I speak French on this podcast. Is that allowed? See, see, <laughs> <laughs> potentially. Were you Spanish. also crawfishing in the forest? So I was having a good old time in Siberia. Why must you turn this podcast into a house of lies? <laughs> yeah, this is too much lying. This is bad. <laughs> Why are you always lying? Uh, no, I just, I mean, I wasn't in Siberia, but. You felt like you were I in Siberia. I do love cold weather, so I'm really happy that it's winter. I, 
because I can only take so much of summer. And I, I know that my co-hosts it. are like, what is happening? What is wrong with her? No, because the amount of people that love the, like the cold weather. And I don't know where this is going uh, in the world. So there might be places right now. I do believe it is summertime. But where we're located, it's uh, November. So when you get this recording, this is when it was recorded. And it's like, okay, I get it. You know, women feel the weather differently. But in the summer when it's really hot, you don't feel it differently? You're shaking so your head. No, no, hold on. Let me explain. <laughs> in the summer when it's super hot out, okay, well, we can just sit in our air-conditioned rooms. or air, You don't have air conditioning? We can sit in our air-conditioned cars. We have pools we can go into. Night times are nice. We can still walk around in the winter when it's freezing. Yo, there's ice everywhere, and I can fall and, like, die. Okay, so this is where the the debate begins. Because in the winter, you can wear layers. And also, I have, what are they called? Those spike things that you can put on your boots Mm. so you don't fall? What are they called? Spike things for your boots. (laughs) I. But... I don't. So that's it. You like the winter season. You put it. layers on. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. So I'm someone who cannot stand the heat. Like my body doesn't do well with heat. So I'd much prefer be cold than be hot. So I'm. Even though my parents are Portuguese, if you didn't know that, it's a fact. Um, and I'm Mediterranean or whatever. I still identify <laughs> as Canadian. Good. Because. I love the cold winters in Portugal. It's cold, but it's like a damp cold, and it's not. I don't know. Here it's damp too. I guess. Yeah, it can get damp. Yeah, but I don't know. I just I love the four seasons in Canada. Yeah. I love that we. You just said you didn't winters. like summer. No, this is. I love that we get to see all four seasons. This is something. I just particularly don't like summer as much as winter. It, it, this is crazy. Uh, someone has. This has never happened before in my life, where. I've witnessed someone be this wrong, and I have still not lost respect for them. This is interesting. Very interesting. Great way to start it. So we got Mick crawfishing. Melanie hates the summer. I don't hate summer. You just wow. I just don't. We're gonna move on from this topic. I love. Okay, can I just say one last thing about summer? The one thing that I love about summer is that I can wear dresses. Okay, the fashion. You could do that now. And. You don't, but you Why can. don't you wear a dress now? Why are you wearing a dress to the podcast? I don't know, okay? I'm not very good at Next debating. recording, you <laughs> need to come next time. with a dress on. Yeah, you'll can have you your dress. A, wear a tiara. <laughs> Greg will have his moo-moo. <laughs> What's a moo-moo? You'll see. Okay. It's like a dress. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dress for large men. <laughs> well, I really hope that um, well, our listening audience comes back. Uh, and we have a few places that you can listen to the podcast. So one, obviously, go on YouTube. The name of the YouTube channel is eluding me. It might be eluding Mick as well. The it's the Christian Service. Is, is that a Christian Service? Okay. All we also in one word, I believe. Right. So we do have actually two Facebook pages. There's the Christian Service Facebook page, which is kind of like the ministry that overlooks the Fancy File podcast, and then we have the Fancy uh, Files podcast. A Facebook page that you can go and please like and subscribe to all of this. So we want you to interact with us. And if you have any questions or comments or uh, regarding anything we say, please feel free to 
write to us. We'll respond to you. Actually, we've already we've said this. If we get enough Bible questions, we'll have podcasts specifically addressed to your questions. We want you to feel that you can write to us. We hope we'll respond. Uh, I don't believe we've received any questions yet. If no. you have sent a question and we haven't responded, we apologize. We will try to get on that. Also, Mickey, you tell us where do we where can we listen to this podcast? So I think the main place to check it out is Spotify. That's the one I check out, and generally that means it has my seal of approval. Right. Uh, is there like a a different tone to it on Spotify? Is no, but more... that's also where I have the rest of my music. It's, okay. So if you listen to your music on Spotify, check the podcast out on Spotify. If not. It's on Apple Podcasts. Yes. It's on Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts sure. as well. And that's it. Excellent. Very good. So now everybody knows where they can go to listen to this podcast. Now, before we went on break, uh, which was a while ago, we had started a series, uh, The Seven Churches of Revelation. And now I was starting to wonder, because when we had finished the Loveless Church and we were talking about churches having their lampstand removed, uh, or candlestick, or whatever version you read. Uh, maybe people were thinking, uh, "What happened to this uh, group? Did did they lose their candlestick?" No, we took a break, and but we weren't taking a break from continuing this series. This is a series I felt very strongly that we should continue doing. So today we're going to be looking at uh, Revelation chapter two, eight to eleven. It's the uh, message to Smyrna. It's the persecuted church. It's the church that suffers. And now I'm going to say beforehand, this is going to be a bit heavy, potentially, uh, maybe for some people. But I want to warn us, because anytime we're talking about persecution, it's not an easy topic for some. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you're in a persecuted area. So this is something you're experiencing. Maybe you've never experienced at least this level of persecution in your life. So... It can be, some people have a hard time listening or hearing that Christians are going to suffer. But before we continue with this thought, I would actually like Mick. He is, will be continuing to be the official Bible reader at the beginning. This is a good job. It is a great job. It so is. We would like you to read, I hope it's from the New King James Version. Oh, it's from the New King James. Bingo. Let's do it. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna writes, These things says the first and the last, who is dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Amen. How did I feel? It felt great. I felt like wheeling power right here. All right. <laughs> I was expecting that response. That's good. Okay. These seven churches existed in history. Now, there is a lot of opinions on uh, regarding, well, the seven churches themselves, because you'll, you will have Christians who will say that these seven churches represent seven ages throughout history. Uh, and, and maybe that's possible. Maybe that we could say that 
in a certain period of time that the church might have been dealing with a certain situation more than other times. Um, I personally feel that these were obviously written to seven churches, not spe specifically only to seven churches. The Word of God is for all of God's people. But that all throughout history, you are going to have churches that are going to be dealing with things that these churches dealt with. And so that's why I believe the Lord chose these specific seven churches, because he knew that the Word of God would be written, would go out throughout history, and that they're, you're going to have you know, Christians that are going to deal with these problems. And how can we handle it? Now, John, while towards the end of his life, was in exile on the Isle of Patmos, and he received an incredible vision, a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, you can read that revelation in chapter 1, uh, and that's actually where we get the name of the book, the revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. A lot of people will say, well, revelation is only about Bible prophecy, and I do believe that. It is about Bible prophecy, but not only about Bible prophecy. It's an unveiling. It's a revealing of all things. We get a, an unveiling of who Jesus Christ is, an unveiling of the situation uh, in churches. We even have a beautiful unveiling of heaven. You really want to know what heaven is like? Brothers and sisters in Christ, please do not go out and buy books of people who claim they've been there and came back to tell you about it. Cha-ching! Uh, read the book of Revelation. Spe specifically, chapter 4 and chapter 5, you are going to get a beautiful description uh, of what it's like in there. Now, the Lord Jesus, when he appears to John, commands him to write what he sees and to send it to the seven, the seven specific churches in Asia. Uh, and the seven churches are, we had Ephesus, which is what we had uh, done previously. I think there was about five podcasts regarding that. Uh, now we're doing Smyrna. And then there will be Pergamus, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, and the uh, Laodicea. And this is in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Uh, now, important things to remember. There are things that in these specific letters that the Lord is going to reveal what pleased him regarding those churches. Uh, and also, he will talk about things that displeased him. Uh, and then he'll tell them things that they can change. Uh, and then he also gives them revelations about himself and promises and warnings. Uh, and at the end of every specific church, you will see this statement, he who has an ear, let him hear what uh, the Spirit says to the churches. Now, it actually may surprise some Christians uh, that Jesus would actually have hard things to say to churches or to believers themselves. Yet, I feel that those who do not accept that Jesus can be displeased with something in a church or within a believer's life hasn't read the gospel. Maybe they have an idea of Jesus, you know, he's, he's meek and mild, he's always happy, and that uh, is sometimes portrayed in well, uh, books or uh, shows or movies that Christians will do about Jesus Christ. Uh, and the danger of that is you're not getting the full picture. Now, it's not that the Lord isn't loving, or the Lord isn't kind, or the Lord uh, uh, is in a bad mood, but the Lord, Jesus is holy. He's God. And, like, for example, the, what do you do if you do not accept that Jesus can be upset about something? What do you do with the verses where Jesus flipped over the tables, the money changers' tables? What do you do with that? What do you do with the verses where Jesus has some harsh things to say to the Pharisees? What do you do with those verses? Um, 
and actually, I have a just to get a conversation going with the group here. Why do you think that there are some, and I don't want to rod rush all Christianity, but there are some that call themselves Christians. Maybe they are genuinely saved, have a hard time with the fact that Jesus can bring rebuke. Why do you think that's an issue? I think sometimes we enjoy being able to understand fully. And it could be tempting to push aside the things that either we don't understand correctly or maybe choose not to understand. And it's easier sometimes instead of like wrestling with those things, uh, we can just focus on what we do understand. So when we hear God is love, it makes sense to us. Uh, when we hear God is is judgment or is, is just, that becomes a bit more complicated because, well, what is he? What is justice? Um, God is wrath. Well, what does that mean? You know, because you know I've heard you know there's no wrath like the wrath of a two year old toddler, and it's like, well, have you read the Bible? There's much I've, wrath. I've never heard of that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you met a two year old toddler? Yes. Have you seen the <laughs> wrath? No. Oh well. I've seen them get upset. Yeah, it, it's something. Uh, it's like crows. They don't forget. Okay. But, um, yeah, so I think people want to understand, and in doing so, sometimes we'll push aside things that are more difficult, such as uh, Jesus being displeased. Right. So I'm just thinking about an example in my personal life. I tend to do that a lot. Um, so when I was in high school, I remember legit skipping over passages in the Bible, in the New Testament. I've heard people do that in the Old Testament, but... She's okay, people. <coughs> she just has to cough. You gonna make it? <coughs> there, there. Had a bit of COVID <laughs> left. <laughs> Wheel it in. Wheel it in. Take a drink. It's okay. Yeah, just drink. You're out? She's out of water. Oh, boy. Water has been saved. Okay, so Melanie started sharing that she overlooked verses, and she was stopped dead in her path. Yeah, in the New Testament, not just the Old. Are you this okay? tends to happen because I talk a lot. Um, this is sorry. the first time you've talked. No, in life. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I remember skipping over verses when I was in high school, and so... I think as human beings, we don't like hearing things that are difficult to hear. Um, even just say, like, if we have a close friend that confronts us or um, just anyone. Like, if you are rebuked by your teacher, um, if you get a bad grade. Sorry, if you get, like, a bad grade. or We just don't like negativity. And anything that's, like, negative, we want to do away with and we want to ignore it. So... That, that's good. That's good. Okay, now I think it's vitally important that as churches and individuals and individual Christians, um, you know, that we read these verses and we take heed what the Lord is saying. Because, you know, Jesus isn't just going to show up and just say something. He's just not shooting the breeze and, you know, just we're just going to, you know, write something down. And it's also important to note you know, it's not like he has a bad temper either. Why is it important that God's people 
represent him well because you're representing him. And what is something that we constantly hear? You invite people to church. I want to go to church. Well, I don't like going to church because they're all a bunch of hypocrites. Mm -hmm. But there is some truth to that because you could have a church where they are all a bunch of hypocrites. You know, where, you know, Sunday morning they're in church and they're singing the praises of God and Saturday night they're out getting tanked, wasted, you know, uh, having premarital sex, doing drugs and not limited to just those things. So that's an issue. You call yourself a Christian. You call yourself the church. The church is the body of Christ. It represents Christ on the earth. Our responsibility, our job is to not only to teach and to preach the word where we're calling people to Christ. Well, we could be a hindrance in doing that. You know, not that God is limited in any way, but let's not be a reason that someone doesn't want to come to the Lord because we're acting a certain way. You know, we're we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We have a high calling to represent him. So if the church is not acting appropriately, who has the authority to come in and speak to us? The one we represent. Jesus. You know, I like I don't know if anyone has watched The Crown. It's a document um, a series on Netflix about uh the Queen. And and there was one episode where uh Winston Churchill was sick and he hid it from the Queen. And they didn't want the queen to know but it wasn't just like he had a cold because that's what they told him they're like well no like they said he had a cold but what really happened was he had a stroke so you have the man this man who's the head of government who is no longer operating as head of government in the name of the queen when the queen found out what does she do she brought him in and gave him a bit of a talking down to because she's the head of state right and it was it was a funny scene, but I'm I'm thinking like, well, if we're not representing Christ well, he's the head of the church, and we're called to to sh- to share his love, to shine that light. So when we're not doing it, that's a problem. We need to examine ourselves. We need to if we're a church because it is written. I know we can read this individually, and I don't have an issue per se reading it individually and applying it to our lives. But it is written to churches. So if churches are not acting the way the Lord has set out the churches to act, He's going to come and He's going to He's going to speak to us. And I mean, you want to talk about illnesses, right? Talk about Winston Churchill with a stroke and the Queen giving him a talking. Um, a church that is out of line, it's much worse than a stroke. Yeah, well, it's you like know? you had a stroke. Yeah, yeah, it's like you have had several. Yeah. You know, you don't, it's not even just flashing lights that are bad for you. It's Spiritual like everything. Stroke. Yeah, exactly. Now, I mentioned a bit about the candlestick being removed. And that's actually a serious warning. And I think it was warned in the last chapter. Uh, that, and he, and he did say that in verse 5. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent, do the first works, or else I'll come quickly and remove your candle, or your lampstand, I'm still used to reading the old King James, from its place unless you repent. That church was told, and we, I know we went into that, but that church was told, if you don't change, this church will be removed. It will no longer be a, a church and I'm actually curious to find out what you guys think. And I, I probably asked this question before in a previous podcast, but it's been a while. So why not do it again? Um, 
you know, when it talks about having the lampstand removed, when it talks about the candlestick, depending on what translation, uh, being taken away, what, what do you think that means? What do you think it means to have that removed? Well, we talk about light, right? This idea of light being the focus. Any other kind of image could have been used. Um, when I think of light and candles, I think of the book of Acts. You know, tongues of fire. This idea that the Holy Spirit would be taken from them. But, you know, as a sign of, like, my anointing is is gone. You can no longer be a light to the people around you. Now, that is, I don't think that necessarily means that every single person in that church would be done. No. Right? No, of course not. But I think there is that thing where it's like, this church, I don't care how many revivals it has had, no, ma- no matter how many revivals it has led or people converted through its doors, it will no longer be an ambassador of Christ, which is a scary thing, Very especially so. like if you're, your heart's for church planting. You yeah. know, it's like reading that preachers will be doubly, like teachers will be doubly um, judged. So, well, that's, that's scary too. And it's like, there's a lot of scary things for people who want to obey God in the Bible. Right. Yeah, I concur with what Mick said. Um, yeah, I think it has to do with that church's influence and they will no longer be like a beam of light and they will no longer have influence. It's like they can keep on doing their thing and they might think that they're doing great, but God is, his hand is no longer there. His favor is no longer on that church. And I mean, like there's movements that we can think of today that we're like, well, I don't see God's hand. Like it seems like it's been removed from that whole movement. Um, and it's sad, but I, I think that's maybe what it means. So do you guys feel that when he says, when the Lord says it, Because I'm thinking that could mean that that church will eventually no longer exist. And it may not be sudden, right? It's not like this church is taken out of the way. Some like like rapture takes place and, and whoop, the church is gone. But you guys are talking about his hand being removed. And if that light goes out, he dims that light however you want to speak it. And, and, and again, I like what you're saying, Mick. It's not about necessarily individuals because in those churches there seems to be individuals you know who are called to overcome but if that local congregation in the eyes of the lord is doing something that's really in his mind is, is wrong it could be that once he pronounces that if that church doesn't change that church will get to the place where they'll eventually cease to exist and I do want to clarify, though, if, if you know, you're a part of a church and, say, people are dying off, well, I don't want you to think necessarily, oh, no, the candlestick's being removed. Because I, who am I to say to you, oh, your church died just because the candlestick was removed? Now, there could be many reasons for it, but I think that could be one of the reasons or, or, or what could happen in the end. Well, look, I've preached in quite a few churches at this point in time. And who knows, maybe by the time this recording comes out, it'll, it'll have doubled or tripled. Who knows? Probably not, though. There's only so many Sundays. But um, I know for myself, 
I've been in churches that had four people like preached on a Sunday. There's like four elderly women that are, you know, on the way out yet you can look in the crowd and you're like, God is still active here. God is still with these people. And I think, cause we, you know, we think God removing his presence from a place. It's like immediately it shuts down kind of like what you were saying, right? That he could. And then it's like, well, maybe this church has been dead for a long time, right? right. Like you show up on Sunday morning, like you've been, I, th- I think we've all had experiences where we're like in a group, like setting maybe, um, I've gone to like these college uh, Bible study groups or whatever, and you're sitting down and they're sharing and you're like, where's the life? There's none. It's like God's hand is clearly not in what's happening. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, Sunday living one way and, and, and being like hypocrites or whatnot like that. There was an old song, right? Uh, Saturday, Satan, Sunday, Saint, which is like this old Western song, but it's great. But it's this idea that even the world sees. And it's like people who will be attached to those churches where I think God has removed himself are going to be these bearers of bad news. There's going to be a stink on them, so to speak. Like, oh, that's where you go. That Like, that's what body you're a part of. And I think even the world will be like, that's not the body of God, you know? Yeah, yeah that's a good point. I like, you know, you're saying something about even the world sees, and it's interesting that, like, instinctively they know there's a higher standard here. And I think it's, I, wa- I want to make sure I word this carefully, because I don't want to say necessarily judgment, but maybe as I just say it, you'll understand what I'm trying to get across. That if a true Christian has wandered away from the path and maybe they're in a church that has wandered away or is wandering i should say and then someone comes to them from the world and calls them out you're supposed to be a christian why are you acting like this it's almost like a, a, i don't want to say judgment but almost like a chastisement that god uses or a wake-up call yeah. like these non-believers people who've not we're not born again we're not following christ coming to us and saying Look at how you're acting. That's sobering. Well, think of all the people, right, who talk about the Crusades, right? They're like, that's not Christian. Yeah. That's like the main thing, regardless of like history. It's like people are like, no, that wasn't right. You don't do that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, they know. Right. And Ephesians actually points to that in Ephesians 2. Um, in that whole gospel presentation, there is this idea that grace itself is so miraculous that even the world is like, that has to be something greater, you know, in a sense of like, obviously uh, Ephesians was written when pretty much everyone believed in a God, but it's like, they know it's something greater because of how horrible we are. Yeah. It's like only God can forgive this person. Right. You know, I want to dive into verse 8, and it says, Unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write these things, says the first and the last, uh, who was dead and came to life. Uh, Now, it's important to point out, and I did point this out, I believe, previously, that angel means messenger. It's not talking about um, an angelic 
host or being that's over the church, the Lord is not telling John write this letter to, to you know to angels as we think of angels, but to to pastors, to messengers. Because I think the word angel, I think it, it is angelos in the Greek, uh, and I, and it does mean messenger. Uh, so let's not get into some weird doctrine where like see, Jesus is writing stuff to angels, so I should do the same thing. Uh, so Jesus starts off, and he, you're going to see this in his uh, letters, where in what he's addressing to that specific church, he has a revelation of himself that is crucial to what they need to hear, and really all what we need to hear. But there is so many characters and, and attributes of 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 God Almighty, of, of Jesus Christ, that in what we're specifically dealing with can help us to overcome and give us hope and strength. And this specific thing and what he's talking about, and, and before I get into that, I want to say this. Theology matters. It matters what we believe about the Lord. I do think it's unfortunate that, you know, we have today some, not all, but some, who kind of make fun of doctrine. And they'll do it openly from the pulpits, where it's almost like there's something wrong with you, or you're uh, an intellectual if you're into doctrine. You know, doctrine is for the intellectuals. But for us, that's not for us. We just need to know Jesus and, and, and move on. But when I read Scripture... I read about how important doctrine is. Doctrine isn't just for the intellectual. It is for you and it's for me. We are all called to be defenders of the faith. We are all called to be, and I like thinking of this like as guardians. We're guardians of the faith. We have a responsibility to know the faith, to preserve the faith, to teach the faith. That what we Know about the Lord. What the Lord has revealed about uh, about Himself is important. And actually, there's and oh, I can't remember the verses, and I forgive me for this. But I do remember that there are Bible verses where it talks about we're actually incomplete if we're lacking in doctrine. And so, if you have this mindset that doctrine is important. You're actually you're setting yourself up for disaster, because uh, what we believe is important, and and the, uh, what the Lord reveals to to us is important. We need to know um, about uh, what Jesus says of Himself, because it's only Him that can help us through these tests and these trials. If you believe in a false Jesus, you know if we already set it up where oh well Jesus could never rebuke, and we're going down a road where you've not. You're not following the Christ of the Bible. Did you want to ask something, Mick? I did. Um, you know, you talk about doctrine being important and, and theology um, mattering. Um, mattering. Mattering. Um, no, if you read Proverbs twelve twenty seven, it's very clear. Uh, obviously, it's in poetry, but it's still very clear. When it says, whoever is slothful will not roast his gain game but the diligent man will get precious wealth when we like get what when we receive anything from the bible it is our job to pray about it study it um be active in it we need to put it into action we need to understand it correctly 
if that means breaking down the words you've just read, going to the original language to make sure that really what's the word that was u- was used for angel, right? Yeah. It's angelos. Well, does that just only mean yeah. like some feathered being or does that mean <laughs> something else? Right? <laughs> right. It's like no, it matters. And the Bible calls you slothful for not doing your due diligence. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And it's good that you bring up something that we're actually reading here. Because if you don't understand what's being said, and I just I kind of joked about it before, but you will. We know this. There's going to be churches that are going to teach some type of like, oh, no, no, no. The pastor of our church is an actual angel. No, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that exists kind of thing. But I'm saying Christians... We've seen in some circles where they get into some strange things. And how does that happen? Because you're not in Scripture, you're not, or if they are in Scripture, they're not having a proper interpretation of it. So is it impossible to believe that you might have a church that exists that says either this is written to an actual angel or this is saying that angels can be pastors? You you understand what I'm saying? I understand. Yeah. That's why it's important. It's important. It, w- 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 who was? I mean, because you will get people. No, no, no. It says angel. Mm-hmm. Okay, but w- obviously when this was written, it was written in, originally in Greek. Mm-hmm. And then it translates into English. Well, in the Greek, what's the word? Yeah. We said angelos, I believe. Uh, and I might be mispronouncing that. But the, I'm not a Greek expert. But the idea, like, well, we know in, even in the English language, right, there's we can say like pronounce or say the word no, but am I saying N O or am I saying K N O W? Right? There's I'm saying it. I'm saying the same thing. Like I'm saying no, but it means it's something completely different in context. It's the same thing. Like you know, I'm present versus I gave you a present. It's the same. We're using words that are even spelt the same, but in the context is different. So in this context, right? Is it? Is he writing to an actual angel over the church? Is he writing to a pastor? I like that. Thank you. No, thank you, Mick. Thank you for enriching our listening audience even more. Um, Okay. So there's a few things that Jesus in this verse uh, says about himself, which is is going to help this church and is going to help Christians all um, throughout history and time. Uh, and the first thing he says is he, he calls himself the first and the last, okay? And this speaks of Christ's eternal nature. He is God. He is creator. He is the sovereign Lord. That's important. He's revealing himself as the Lord Almighty. Because you do have individuals who will teach that Jesus is not equal with the Father, he is a separate deity. And that obviously is erroneous heresy. Well, all heresy is erroneous, but I, I, I like putting that together. Uh, so it, again, it's important to remember the one we serve, Jesus Christ, is in control. He is the Lord. He's the Lord over our life. He's Lord over our church. He's even Lord over our storms. That's important to remember when you're going through a trial, especially if it's intense persecution like to the point what they're going to face that can lead to death. And it reminds us if he's God, he's with us because he's everywhere present. And also the promise, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
He isn't leaving us. And I think that's what an incredible comfort to be reminded, especially when you're being persecuted, that Christ is there with us. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they use the word, we read it the first and the last, but if you look at the original text, right, this is Old Testament. Jesus is referring to himself as Yahweh. Amen, yeah. Which is incredible, because there's always those people that are like, Jesus never said it. Uh, He did. People Several say times. that never. Or yeah, they've not never read, read through, the Bible. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so first and the last, it's like, and I think it helps that it is an Old Testament term, because so often right now it is a trend, and I hope that even just by the time this is released, that trend is done with, but that people unhinge the Old Testament from the New Testament. I have a bad feeling that that's not going to be the case. Wishful thinking, but uh, it's like Jesus is referring to himself as an Old Testament term, so immediately you are holding on to and they are intricately connected. Right. Right? First and last, that means that he is before even the New Testament and he will be way after. the. So it's like, oh, great, wonderful. Amazing. Amazing. No, I, there's nothing I want to say. It's just that we have the same Bible, so I saw that commentary. I was going to say that comment, that commentary in okay. my Bible. So I was like, yeah. amen, Yahweh. Amen, indeed. The Alpha and Omega. Okay, I think this is actually a great place to land the plane for this podcast, this episode. Uh, I pray that it has been a blessing and that hopefully you guys didn't miss us too much. But if you did miss us, it means we did something right. So I pray that what we said today, even the little bit as we start our study uh, in the Church of Smyrna, has been a blessing to you. Uh, and that even in these few verses that we talked about, that it encouraged you. So I am your host today, Greg the Scott, and I had with me Mick. Thanks for having me. And Melanie. Melflow. Melflow. God bless. <laughs> <laughs>